0: Up front, I just want to, I want to remind you always that when I come up here and I present things to you, I'm not presenting things to you as someone who's figured it all out. Amen. I'm on this journey too. Yeah. Uh, I am merely someone who is consistently allowing himself to be challenged by the Jesus that I read and understand in the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and with my family. Yeah? And so when I present things to you, know that it's I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. Okay. So with that out of the way, our readings, the first three Sundays of Eastertide, tend to focus on the resurrection appearances of Jesus. But here in weeks four through seven, remember that Easter is a week of Sundays, Our 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 attention shifts to this other question, right? Yes, Jesus has risen indeed, but what are the ramifications for us and for the world of this truth? Amen. Last week, we honed in on this idea of becoming, becoming this new kind of community that Jesus is forming and becoming the kinds of people who make up such a community. Because like the women at the empty tomb, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and will soon begin to see, like the apostles themselves in the book of Acts, it is this kind of community made up of these kinds of people who will boldly carry the candle of hope forward into the dark and chaotic world around us. And here I want to again draw your attention to a very specific phrase. Is forming. Is forming. Note, I did not say this new kind of community that Jesus has formed. Is forming. Words matter. And this new kind of community is still being formed. Yeah? Remember, this has always been, even now, a promise of what is yet to be. And what exactly is this hope that we are carrying forward anyway? What is this hope? I want to submit to you today that this hope and this community are in fact one and the same. The hope of becoming the kinds of people who make up and partake in this kind of community which is still being formed. That is humans who have begun to have that inward curve of their love turned back out toward God and each other, like we talked about on Easter Sunday. Humans who are learning to abide in God. And Jesus, the God-man, is our model. He teaches us and shows us what this new life in the kingdom of God can be as our understanding of and relation to this Son of Man transitions from Jesus the stranger to Jesus the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep of his own accord and has the power to take it up again, as Angie read for us this morning. The Good Shepherd who knows his own and who know him, even those who, he says, of another fold. The good shepherd who, according to Psalm 23, provides, leads, restores, comforts, anoints, and pursues. As we learn more of him and to abide in him, we come to see what this new kind of humanity in this new kind of community may become. You with me? All right. Our reading this morning in John 10 comes to us as a response to Jesus being questioned by the Pharisees. In the chapter before, that's John 9, Jesus gave sight to a man who was born blind. The man is brought before the Pharisees, and there's an important detail here. I want you to see if you can spot it. What do you notice? Remember to always pay attention to the characters in these narratives and what their motivations may be. Starting in uh, verse 13 in John 9, reading through verse 16 in the NRSV as usual. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. What do you notice? What are the Pharisees concerned with? Now it was a Sabbath day. Yeah? This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath They're concerned with Sabbath observation. What are they not concerned with? Oh my gosh, this guy who was blind can see. Right? Come on. The Pharisees were concerned with the right way. The right way. But Jesus was concerned with the person. Yeah? These religious authorities must find a way to explain away this very good thing which has just occurred. Because it was performed by a man who does not conform to their rules and regulations, their way. Worship team, would you make your way back up? Thank you so much. So for the Pharisees, either... This man wasn't really born blind. They question him as much, right? They they talk to his parents. Either he wasn't really born blind, or Jesus was operating by another name or power. Because what's the alternative for the Pharisees? In verses 28-29, they say this. They reviled the man, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The alternative was that they had, what they had received from Moses was wrong. Right? No. That's how they phrase it. That's how they perceive it. But the real alternative here is that their understanding of what God was and is up to was wrong. The alternative is that they've missed it. Somehow they've missed God. And that's just not acceptable because we are disciples of Moses. We know the truth. Our way is right. Amen? Ultimately, they are bewildered. And rather than admit it, they dismiss the man. And what he is trying to tell them, saying in verse 34, You were born entirely in sin. And you are trying to teach us. They are so consumed with their understanding of what they had received, with what God had done in the past, that they themselves had become blind to what God was doing now in their midst. As the author of Hebrews reminds us in the, the first two sentences of the letter. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, which we're still in. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he had made the universe. This sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now don't misunderstand me. These Pharisees took their faith very, very seriously. Sabbath observance is indeed a good thing. Even for us. I wish Christians would take their faith as seriously as these Pharisees did. I'm not even sure I do yet. They were probably right to be suspicious. But healthy skepticism can quickly become denial and ignorance if we are unwilling to see what God is doing. This does not make them evil. I want to be clear. It just makes them like most of us. (laughs) Clinging desperately to what we think we know. Blind to the work of God around us and, and, and again If you just think I'm In case you think I'm just bashing Pharisees I'm not The apostle Peter himself Makes this exact same mistake With the satyrian In Acts Y'all go ahead and stand on up with me This does not mean The rules and regulations Do not matter or aren't important Okay But it does mean that Jesus, the good shepherd, over and above the rules and regulations, over and above whatever has been done in the past, is concerned with the sheep. With people. Even those not yet in this fold. And this, I submit to you today, is part of the model Jesus gives us this new kind of community he is still forming. So in Acts 3, in the earliest days of the church, Peter and John happened upon a crippled beggar, healed him, began to teach about Jesus and the kingdom of God, and then they were arrested. Right? And in Acts 4, the next day, it says, the rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem and asked Peter and John, in verse 7, by what power or by what name did you do this? There it is again. Yeah? The same thing. This is beyond mere skepticism at this point. This is fear. Fear of change, fear of a loss of power, fear of a loss of way of life. Again, they want to squash this name, Jesus, to prevent it from spreading further among the people. We humans like our rules and regulations, don't we? Our policies and such, they serve their purposes. Yes, but they also serve as a convenient means of deflecting heat Away from ourselves Yeah It's a convenient way to have Our way Without actually saying that's what we're doing Right Don't blame me Blame the regulations I'm sorry ma'am But that's the policy I'm sorry sir But them's the rules No Not like that In other words, they serve as a convenient way for us to be blind to the human being standing right in front of us, to not be burdened with other people's problems. Or maybe their plight, their displacement, their enslavement, their starvation, their homelessness, their oppression their alarmingly high rates of suicide. How often do we Christians echo those Pharisees? Those people must have been born entirely in sin. They must have done something to deserve this. God couldn't possibly be working through them. They make me uncomfortable. They aren't welcome here. But the good shepherd... Lays down his life. He lays down his prerogatives for the sake of others, even the very law he gave. Philippians 2 goes so far as to say he does not consider equality with God as something to cling to. He even lays that down for the sake of others, for the sake of those he loves. And notice, in John 10, nobody is taking it away from him. Instead, he does this of his own accord. He chooses. And following our model Jesus, we too can learn to lay it all down. Our lives, our rights, our privileges, our honors, our sensibilities... For the sake of those Jesus loves, for the sake of those we are learning to love, as we are being formed into the kinds of people who make up this new kind of community Jesus is forming. Christ, living in us, lives through us and loves the world. Finally, I'll close with this. I mentioned in Psalm 23, a bit earlier uh, and it ends like this Surely goodness and mercy will follow me shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long Goodness and mercy shall follow me How many of you when you read or hear that internalize it naturally as God doing something for you I know. I know. I tend to. My life will be full of goodness and mercy because I follow God. I'm sure that's part of it. Okay, but I, but what if what if goodness and mercy shall follow me? That I will leave goodness and mercy in my wake. Yeah. Wherever I have been, there is goodness and mercy. Wherever I go, there will be goodness and mercy because I was there. And wherever I go, there is a good shepherd with me. I can be goodness and mercy because I can let go and trust, abide in the good shepherd. Our friend Jason likes to use the word wrestle when talking about this process of discipleship or apprenticeship or formation. It's a very apt, Description. And I would accept, expect rather nothing less from an Enneagram 8. Yeah? It's a, it's a, it's a great way to think about this, right? It is wrestling with God, ourselves, and each other. This too is a wrestle. Not so much a wrestling with though, as it is a wrestling away. Learning to let go. To lay it all down. To not cling our rights, privileges, honors, sensibilities, and rest in the good shepherd. This new kind of community Jesus is forming is not chiefly concerned with its own rights and privileges, with having its way, but you wouldn't know it looking around. This new kind of community Jesus is forming abides. Amen? Because we have a good shepherd with us. Let's pray. Jesus, our good shepherd who calls us each by name, help us to follow where you lead. Wherever this journey into the unknown, into the very heart of God may take us. Lord, as you did not claim, teach us as we look to you as our model of being in this world to let go as well. And empower us to leave goodness and mercy in our wake as you continue to form us into this new kind of community. By the power of the Spirit and in your name we pray. Amen.